The following program, Living Out Loud, is sponsored by Morton Group, LLC, and to the extent applicable, their guests. The views and opinions expressed therein do not necessarily reflect those of Newsweb Radio Company or its management. Hello, hello, hello. It is a very, very cold Sunday, but we're so happy you're here. This is Living Out Loud. I'm Mary Morton, and uh, I'm excited to welcome longtime friend and sister in the struggle. Indeed. State Representative Kelly Cassidy. Hello. Hello, my friend. <laughs> and yes, it is very cold. I am wearing two of everything. So am I. I have one long underwear. It is purple. I'm just going to say it is purple mm-hmm. <laughs> because, mm-hmm. you know, where, where it is. It's, it's under there somewhere. It's I have several layers somewhere. It's on. in there somewhere. Several sure. layers. Um, but we, we're Chicagoans. Are, you're transplant, but you don't think of yourself as that transplant any longer, do you? Well, I've been in, I've been in Chicago longer than I was in Florida, but oh, like, okay. I do still feel like I am a bit of a weenie when it comes to the cold really? because of it. Um, like that said, you know, I'm I I still take my dog out and all of this and whatever, but like I am a connoisseur of the good layers. Okay. Smart wall base layer people. All right. All right. Really amazing. Okay. I, we heard it right here. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about um how we met each other many years ago. Um when we or- were 3 and 4. Yes, exactly, right. Um an organization near and dear to my heart um and really where I um, cut my activist chops more, you know, on a larger stage, I would say, is Chicago Now, the National Organization for Women, which at the time that we were at it was the one of the largest chapters in the country. Yeah, absolutely. We, we had it five was, full-time staff. We had five staff. We had a full-time office. Um, we were a constant burr under the saddle of the national leaders who did not like chapters to get that big. That's right. Um, That's right. And I, I really, I think I definitely got my PhD in shenanigans um, <laughs> oh God. working there and, and, and navigating the national now politics with you and, and our beloved mentor, Sue Purrington. Oh, Sue Purrington. Um, yes, yes. Yes, yes. Just can't so, say that name enough. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, I, I like you. That was um, that was definitely a launching point for me. I don't know about you, but I kind of stumbled into the office. Um, oh, that's interesting. Like I, I wandered in on a volunteer night. Well, as did I. So I came in. Um, you know, I was not quite finished at Loyola, but you know, I thought I, I just have another year. I can get involved and I was reading Essence and Ms. Magazine so I knew everything All so I things, thought yes. um, I, w- I wasn't even really out at that point when I came to uh, Chicago now and um, you know got involved I met Sue Purrington the first night came in on a vol- I came in on a, a weekday uh, during the middle of the day and they said well we have volunteer nights on Tuesday night mm-hmm. evenings and so I came back and um, I don't know if I was surprised but the reality was I was the only black person black woman in the room at yeah. the time and I remember talking to Sue about this. And I felt as though she was really just very direct with me, understood that, yes, it's a concern. It's something we we are working on, uh, but didn't give me just some kind of... um, you didn't feel patted on the head. Exactly. And like, <laughs> yes, we know, dear. No, it was it was like, we know this is a problem and we want to do something about it. And also didn't try to make me responsible, which right. often happens when you're underrepresented, part of an underrepresented group of folks. And you say, there's a problem here. And then they expect you to fix it. To fix it, right. And like, I think, well, you walked into 
dual problems. I showed up with just the one where, you know, <laughs> now was coming off the Lavender Menace scare where there was a, sort of a purge of lesbians um, at the national level um, in the decade before we got involved. And we were still feeling the reverberations of that, reverberations of that. Um, and, and it was a similar thing. Like, you know, it was not unusual to be the only gay person in the room. Um, I, it was great when we were both in the room because that helped. But yes. Um, <laughs> You know, very much. Um, and this was a chapter that sought to be different than the, than the national, for sure. Absolutely. And I joined the board. And uh, after several years, I became the president. And I felt that it was really important to not only have a lesbian rights committee, but a women of color committee. I, mm-hmm. You know, again, intersectionality before it was really talked about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's what we did. Um, I, you know, I went through it at now. I don't know if you remember this, but uh, certainly getting involved with... Um, reproductive rights, as we talked about it at that time. I w- and I had decided that I was going to be out front on this issue. I, you know, I'm sure we did this on many occasions, would show up at clinics like the Midwest Women's mm-hmm. Center Clinic mm-hmm. on diversity, getting there well before um, the aunties did to put glue in the doors yeah. so that when the staff got there, they w- wouldn't be able to provide services. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, like I, that was where I, I came to Chicago now because I had been a clinic escort in Florida. And that was all uh, I knew. That, like that was where. OK. That, that was what I knew to do. OK. As as my, you know, find my activism. Well, where am I going to find these folks? I'm going to find them where mm-hmm. they're being organized. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, completely changed my life being there because, yeah. again, Sue, like with you. Yes. Hey, hey, let's do this new thing together. Yes. Um, I, you know, the next thing I knew, I was the legislative director. Yeah, that's how it happens. You know, if you're available, <laughs> you're interested and you have some talent, you are going to be plucked. Yeah. Right. And but look at all that's happened. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like I said, life changing. um direction setting. Right. And so I went on to be involved in other organizations. I uh, ended up chairing the Chicago Abortion Fund, um, was on the Illinois Pro-Choice Alliance, um, in more recent years was on Planned Parenthood. And what did you do, State Representative Kelly Cassidy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, too, moved on from there, went to work uh, for an elected official, did some campaign work. Um, Then in a weird detour, spent 15 years in the office of the Cook County State's Attorney's mm-hmm. office and developed a passion and an expertise for criminal justice reform. Um, and then uh, in 2011, there was a vacancy in the Illinois General Assembly. I, along with 24 of my closest friends, sought the appointment um, and was, was unanimously um, appointed to fill the vacancy of, and have been reelected. Uh, ever many, since. many times. Yeah, I don't know if this is seven or eight. Time flies when you're changing the it's world. It's just um, really, I'm, I have to say, I am happy and proud of you and all that you've done. I mean, it's just been really incredible to watch your career um, as a legislator. And you didn't start in some more, I would say, traditional ways that a person might come to this work. Many folks are attorneys and then they decide, oh, I'm going to, you know, become a legislator. But you literally many many folks are, are, you know, daughters or sons in this work. Yes, this is true. (laughs) That's exactly Um, right. That is very true. I I often joke I am the original nobody nobody sent because I am not related to anyone (laughs) that I didn't give birth to in this town. Um, But yeah, it was a a Nepo baby kind of thing. Definitely no Nepo baby here. Um, But, uh, you know, lots of really great um, lucky associations, Mm -hmm. honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
all of the as as incongruous as it might seem to talk about being legislative staff and then working as a legislative advocate in the criminal justice system. Um, I say this always. I always describe this as having put a lot of different tools that I used in different ways. Yeah. With the ability to use them all at once. Right. Exactly. And that's what this exactly. job represents. That's exactly right. And I think that the more you, I, I'm just sensing that the more you do it, the more it has, I don't know, felt natural or just, well, you tell me how, how it's felt. I don't need to yeah. you know, think so, about it. You can just tell us all. How's it been? The more you've, you know, as you each year, right, you go through a campaign, right? right? You've got you to gotta be okay with asking for money. Yep. I remember years ago when I was thinking about running for office and I talked to Jan Schakowsky and she said, Mary, I look for the yeses. Yeah. You know, yes in fundraising, yes around policy work. I look for the yeses. What's been your... So, you know, when I first um, made the jump uh, to, to from, from being an organizer, because that's still who I am at my core, mm-hmm. right? No matter what job title I've had, the skill set I bring to it is as an organizer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in in 2011 and, and, you know, around that period, there was this stigma on movement folks going, in, going to the inside, right. right? Like there was some sort of betrayal by going to the inside. And... <sighs> And even during that time, I remember being like, we need the inside and outside yes. strategy. I need to be able to point to y'all out on the, on the steps yes. and say, do you want them inside? Yes. Um, yes. And what has changed that I'm really loving is that there is this intentionality mm-hmm. of bringing movement people yep. into the work. Yeah. Um, and and so it's, it's a lot better in that regard. Right. Um, and yeah, it does become more natural. And I have this opportunity now with all of these younger movement people coming in to be sort of like the, you know, the old auntie, the grandmother Willow, whatever you want to call me, um, you know, like I don't feel that old, but I think I am. Um, and but having Mm-mm. having all these new young members who are really enthusiastic about leaning into the work and doing it with yeah. intentionality, yeah. Um, that's been awesome. Well, that's and I love this piece about folks, you know, sort of chiding you for going to. Um, you know, do this work on the inside because that's exactly what I got yep. when I went to work for daily. Absolutely. You yeah. know, well, you know, why are you going to work for the man? Um, I said, okay, again, it was almost identical to what you said. I, you want me on the inside with my politics. So you can be on the outside and we can push toward the middle. But we've had to come to that sort of sophistication, if yeah. you will, and understanding why you want folks with certain kinds of politics on the inside so we can still make some things happen. And this is part of how we got here. That's right. Because the other side, they've been doing this. Mm-hmm. That's right. They've been doing it since before we were at Chicago Now. Yeah. They're, they're, they have had that intentionality and, and, you know, and we didn't. We wanted that purity. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, we're, we're playing catch up right. on the inside for sure. Right. Um, but, you know, making some pretty significant strides. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to talk a lot today um, about reproductive justice, uh, which is, again, something that we share and it was a part of our early work. Uh, But I want to take a turn just before we we end our first segment here and say, you know, we're still in the first couple weeks of the new year. What what are some of your traditions around the new year? What are some of the things that you you make sure you do around this time of the year? So, I grew up in the South, mm-hmm. and so I grew up where we always had black-eyed peas, mm-hmm. and we had we greens. and greens, and mm-hmm. like very very traditional um, Southern New Year's tradition. Um, but as I've gotten older and become more into food and into cooking, and and like I love to read cookbooks, so like I actually oh, literally wow. read the cookbook. Okay, that's um, good to know. <laughs> I enjoy trying other. New Year's traditions okay. and finding the similarities and the differences, right? Like everybody's 
story behind their food is about abundance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know whether that is you know doing like a Cuban pork roast or doing um, spetzel mm, and noodles and sausages, um, or, or spetzel and, and sauerkraut and sausages, like I did one year when my our housemate wanted a German New Year um, mm. specialty. Like it's fun. Yeah, it is. It and is. getting those, and they're all a little, like they're all comfort food, frankly. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Okay, and any intentions for the year? Um, I never have been like a resolution person, um, but I had a recent uh, convening of some of our national partners on the on the reproductive justice front. We were asking to talk about what what self care changes we're going to make um, mm-hmm. because self care mm-hmm. is something we're not good Absolutely. at as movement people. That's right. Um, and mine was that I was going to break my reading drought with with an intentional setting of fifteen minutes of pleasure reading a day. I haven't done it yet. Okay. It's still early. (laughs) It is still early in the year, and it is also still early in our show. You're listening to Living Out Loud, and I'm here with State Representative Kelly Cassidy, and we will be back in a moment. with Living Out Loud. And here's a little bit about Morton Group, the sponsor of my show. Morton Group is a national consulting firm working with nonprofits, foundations, for-profits, and government entities. Our work helps organizations expand and deepen their impact by working on equity initiatives and executive placements, among other areas of focus. Reach out to us at info at mortongroup.com with any questions. And don't forget to listen in on Sundays at 1 p.m. on WCPT 820 a.m. And we are back. You're listening to Living Out Loud. Hello, Devin. And hello to State Representative Kelly Cassidy. Um, We go way, way, way back in the trenches, so to speak. (laughs) Um, But, you know, really excited because it is still, I think, a privilege to be able to do this work. Um, And so important that we do this work. And I know you were at a reproductive justice convening. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I have been really um, fortunate to be connected with an organization. It's a national group called the State Innovation Exchange. It's Mm -hmm. sort of the the, um, anti-ALEC, if you will, Mm -hmm. um, the the conservative group Mm -hmm. that does. Mm -hmm. um, But instead of just spoon feeding people model language like Alec, Alec does, Six does deep dives into the policy and helps craft policy together. Um, So I've been involved with the Reproductive um, uh, Freedom Leadership Council, which is a a consortium of, of legislators around the country. And was invited to participate in a conven- an international convening this week called Beyond Borders, Reproductive Justice, what, what the U.S. can learn 
about the about the abortion rights movement in other countries. Um, and it was fascinating How in a lot folks? of ways. How many folks? How many folks? There were about, about 100 of us okay. total. Um, so not so overwhelming that you didn't have time to actually have conversations. Always meant to be working group nice. functional. Nice. Um, okay. That's one of the beauties of this. Um, and, and so there were there were activists and providers and and um, attorneys and, and advocates from Kenya, from Colombia, wow. from the Dominican Republic, from Mexico, from Poland. Um, I'm I'm missing India. It was it was really fascinating, and and a couple of things really jumped out. One was hearing birth workers from the south, and the birth worker from Kenya describe near identical experiences mm. of what um, you know they refer to as obstetric violence, oh, um, and, and you know how terrifying it is that that's. Uh, that, that 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 is so universal. Um, whether that is telling women they have to labor quietly because they weren't screaming in pain when they were getting pregnant, things like that. Um, you know, forcing people to pay in advance, forcing people to bring blood donors. Oh my God! To replace the blood they might get. Um, so so horrific things like that. And these were uh, representatives from countries outside of yes. El- okay of the United uh, States. But also these were birth workers from mm. the American South. Mm. Okay. Who reported very similar experiences with their clients? Um, you know, being being poor is a terrible task yes. here. Yes. Um, and so you know, talking to them, but also hearing, you know, first of all, like a lot of the international activists basically saying, "We told you Roe wasn't the thing that was going to save us. Like Roe was a compromise, people, and it was because it's not granting bodily autonomy; it's granting privacy." Yes doesn't mean yes. that you have to be able to get it. It means you can't be prevented from getting it. And so it's... It, Can you say, stop and just say that again? Because I think that's a really important distinction. Absolutely. The right to privacy means you can't prevent me from getting an abortion, but it also doesn't mean you have to do anything to facilitate it. To help me it. get one. That's right. And, that's, and right. that's why we've seen these bans around the country. Mm-hmm. That's why we've seen the restrictions that we were fighting in mm-hmm. the 90s. And mm-hmm. like, you know, back in the 90s, we were saying, I can't believe we're still having these fights. Mm-hmm. And here we are still having these same... Mm-hmm. Fights, right? Um, you know, so so that's real. But hearing folks, you know, sort of challenge that American exceptionalism was, I think, something a lot of us needed to hear. Um, but then the the truly scary part: these same people were pointing out that their federal courts were pointing to the Dobbs decision mm. as a and, and as something to look at. So the Dobbs was. the Dobbs decision is what overturned Roe v. Wade and established that there is no right to privacy. Um, and and so this is this flawed rubric that we've been operating under that these other countries have have acknowledged as flawed is also going to do harm there. And that is why, because it, it's an issue around rights to privacy, we know there's so many other marginalized and underrepresented groups that are at risk as well. Absolutely. You know, whether we're talking about, you know, going, going after Lawrence v. Texas that, that mm-hmm. uh, decriminalized uh, gay sex or, um, you know, the various birth control decisions that are that are looming in front of us or Obergefell with marriage. Like these are all in, in the crosshairs. Um, and honestly, you know, in our work uh, in the General Assembly, as, as chair of the Dobbs Working Group, there are a lot more direct attacks coming against our trans siblings. Oh, my goodness, right now. yes. That, that, Absolutely. Like, that is where the, like our shield law protecting patients and providers yes. um, from from pro- prosecution from other states if they get legal health care here that's inclusive of repro and gender-affirming care, 
the only challenge we've had to our to our shield yet has been seeking the records of caregivers, providers who are licensed here in Illinois and in Missouri. Um, and so so that is our most important front that we should be focused on for all of us, whether we're talking about That's the right, right to abortion or the right to gender affirming care or for our marriages to be respected or any of the things. Well, you know, I also just want to mention and give credit. Well, credit is due that you were one of the first folks who, when introducing legislation, um, really used inclusive language. You know, we have to start stop talking about women, uh, you know, having the right to choose and women getting abortions when we know that it's women and trans folks, non-binary folks. Yep. And yeah. did you get pushback when you did that? A lot. A mm. lot. So that was in 2019 with the Reproductive Health Act, Health Act where we we degendered um, the code. And I've been degendering stuff as I find it mm-hmm. since then as mm-hmm. well. But everything related to abortion was was degendered. And um, the, the committee hearing on the bill was... Rather late at night, um, towards the end of session, things can get a little wacky. (laughs) Um, You know, people are punchy. They've been awake a while. Um, And we had, I think it was probably a three-hour committee hearing uh, on it, where one member who's now running for Congress in Southern Illinois spent a very, very long time repeatedly asking me, why did you change on line 37? Why did you delete woman and replace it with pregnant person on line 42. Mm-hmm. Why did you? And he would do it. He did it with every single line. And each time I simply said, anyone with a uterus can get pregnant. And there are these pictures of me from that day where I'm just sort of sitting completely stone faced. And all I've, all, I've, all I've said for the last half hour is anyone with a uterus can get pregnant mm-hmm. over and mm-hmm. over and over mm-hmm. again. Um, you know, but that wasn't the end of it. You know, fast forward to the beginning of this year when right. we were passing our shield law, the Patient and Provider Protection Act. Um, there were a lot of allies, frankly, yeah. who wanted it to be repro only, who wanted to just protect abortion, right. um, who didn't want to protect all legal health care, including gender affirming care. And so it was a it was a huge fight, um, you know, that that involved, you know, really coming right down to the wire saying, I will go home without a shield mm. rather than leave somebody behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I will explain happily why we don't have one. We're very fortunate to be in Illinois. We are. In many ways. Um, I spent some time, as I had mentioned um, before we the show, in um, spent a number of years, actually, um, in the Pacific Northwest and most recently um, was working with an organization in Bozeman, Montana. Um, and Bozeman, Montana is very similar to Illinois in that it's surrounded yeah. by anti-choice states. And um, we did a screening of the Janes uh, last year, which was really well attended in both Bozeman and in Missoula, mm-hmm. and then went on to put together a reproductive justice convening, nice. right? Just a place where providers and policy folks can talk on a regular basis. In uh, Montana, their legislator, <laughs> legislative um, sessions are only every other year. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, and they're only for like a couple weeks or yeah, something. How, yeah, how would you feel about that? It, it, it's bizarre. It is. Yeah. I, I, I said, what do you mean you don't meet again until... Twenty-five. Lots of lots of states, especially rural states. It's it's pretty. It makes sense in some yeah. ways because I mean, there's a lot of land to cover, right? Right, and not a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. But essentially, they're there to do the budget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So there, there. You know, there are pockets right within these areas where they're they're so restrictive, where people are figuring out a way to organize. This morning, on Sunday morning, CBS, uh, Kate Cox's story yeah. was profiled, and it was. It was one thing to hear about it. It was another thing to hear her talk about it. Mm-hmm. It was horrific. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 cruelty is a feature, not a bug. Um, mm. You know, this is very intentional. This is, um, you know, the, the what I don't I don't care if you're talking about in the Dobbs decision saying it's going to the states or, you know, any of the the um, the states saying, you know, they're, they're not trying to criminalize women. No, they, you're right. They're not trying to criminalize women, but they are trying to kill them. Right. Right. Um, just, Anyone who needs these services, they are absolutely saying yeah. no. And this attorney general um, was really clear that there was no way um, she was going to be able to get an abortion in her state. She said, I wanted to be at home. I wanted right. to be able to go home and get my own bed. Yeah. But they had to leave the state and go to New Mexico. Yep. Um, and, you know, one of the things that, you know, in some ways it may not matter, but I'm curious and maybe I don't know if you know if this person, um, Kate, was or considered herself to be pro-choice before this happened? I don't know the answer. Yeah. Um, she she was a client of, of the Reproductive right. Leadership right. Council, so uh, perhaps there was already some connection. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I, I have heard from folks for whom, like, it was something that was other, and then it touched them. And it made a difference. Right. Uh, you know, I, uh, I was in the the bleachers at Wrigley. Mm, wow. And I had just gotten a new tattoo. There was a national fundraiser for abortion funds where tattoo artists around the country had, had come together and we raised somewhere north of half a million dollars for, for abortion funds Incredible. around the country. Um, and this dude behind me in the bleachers noticed my relatively fresh tattoo and asked about it. And I turned around and, you know, 30-something guy, lots of tats. I'm in the bleachers. I wasn't really sure where, where this was going to go. And I just decided to lean in and I told him the story and as I'm telling him the story he's just weeping and he shared that he and his wife had recently gone through something very similar um, they're, they a very much wanted pregnancy their first pregnancy um, at around 20 weeks they discovered there was a problem um, you know the follow-up tests take a little bit of time and they, they you know the clock is ticking on you um, you know that even even in Illinois where you're going to be able to get it the longer you wait the harder it That's is right and so, you know, very much wanting to, to just deal with it, but also re- grappling with the fact that they had recently decided and begun the process of moving to Texas. Mm, God. And their realization in that yeah. moment that mm-hmm. had they moved. That's right. Her life would be at risk. That's right. That's right. Um, and, you know, and I shared my abortion story with them, you know, and that's the thing. Right. Like we, we allowed we, it to become yes. stigmatized. That's right. I remember in 2011, 2012, when I was carrying a, a I carried an amendment to a hostile bill. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a bill requiring um, that anybody wanting to get an abortion had to see an ultrasound. And so I put in an amendment saying if you wanted a Viagra prescription, you had to have informed consent about the treatment for priapism. Thank you. Um, and <laughs> in that right. moment, I did an interview with a, an AP reporter and I said when I had my abortion and she was like, oh, oh, oh you're talking to a reporter. Yes, I'm aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm well aware of that. And she would not use my abortion story. Really? It was was probably seven or eight years later before when we were talking about House Bill 40 when I said when I told my story in committee and then it became news. But I had tried to tell it 10 years before. Can you believe that somebody actually turned down that story? Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, as we know, there's much more work to be done. Um, We're going to in just a few moments be joined by Julie Burkhart. who is with Hope Clinic, and we're going to hear about their work because they have 
they've recently opened some uh, facilities right here in Chicago, right? Um, they're in the process of they're opening. In the process. Yeah, in the process okay. of opening one in Uptown. This is a clinic that's been operating in the on the border um, and being really a resource for a lot of these states even before the big bands. All right. Well, we're going to continue this conversation. Uh, you're listening to Living Out Loud, and we're back in a moment. Gina Torres. And when I'm in Chicago, I listen to Mary Morton on WCPT 820 AM. And welcome back to Living Out Loud. I'm excited today to be joined by State Representative Kelly Cassidy. And we are spending some time really focusing on reproductive justice, reproductive health, and all the things that have been happening in the last several years. And that is how we started our work together. Um, we we said what ninety ninety one ninety one ish yeah 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 I think ninety one is when I started it now okay yeah so it's it's been a minute it's been a minute it's been a minute um but right now we're going to continue the conversation and we're um really looking forward to having a chat with um the co owner of Hope Clinic. Um, which is based in Granite City, Illinois, but I know it's coming closer to us in Chicago. Uh, we want to welcome Julie Burkhart. Um, Julie has really worked on this idea of expanding HOPE to serve more people in Illinois and beyond. HOPE Clinic saw well over 8,000 patients for abortion care in 2023. She's also the founder and president of Wellspring Health Access, a nonprofit dedicated to expanding access to reproductive health care in abortion deserts. And under her leadership, Wellspring opened in Casper, Wyoming, uh, and it became the sole abortion provider in the state. So you have been very, very busy, Julie. We are so appreciative of all your work, and welcome to Living Out Loud. Oh, good morning, um, or I guess good afternoon it is. now. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it still feels like morning. It's uh, really nice to be here with both of you today. Thank you. Well, absolutely, and thank you for all the work you've been doing. And I know that um, Kelly is, is very familiar with your your work. Absolutely. I mean, we you know, as I've described it, your you know, Hope Clinic was a, a, an early front line. Um, as we were starting to see states uh, shut down access. And, and um, Hope Clinic has literally been a lifeline for so many people in southern Illinois, Missouri, and surrounding states. 
And and so, Julie, tell us a little bit about the, the history of, of Hope Clinic in terms of it coming together. And um, we want to also then talk about just how uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned has impacted your, your numbers and, and the services you provide. Yes, um, absolutely. Um, well, I can tell you that this year is the 50th um, anniversary of Hope Clinic's operation. Oh, congratulations. And, um, Thank you. Um, Dr. Zavalos uh, and his family, of course, established the clinic back in 1974. Um, but myself and two other co-owners, we purchased the clinic about two years ago, almost two years ago now. And so we're really, you know, we feel blessed um, and fortunate to be able to, you know, carry on the legacy of that clinic. And, and you know, since Illinois has become so, so, mm-hmm. so important to people in the Midwest and the South. Um, so we will be celebrating our 50 years uh, this year. And, um, you know, and speaking of our, of our, uh, our numbers, um, I was, you know, looking back at, um, you know, our increase in volume between uh, 2021 and 2023, and we have seen um, about a 107% increase in our patient load, um, going from around 4,000 patients to, as you were saying at the beginning, um, over 8,000 abortion-specific patients. Um, And we saw patients from 26 26 states. Wow, that is incredible. And so it sounds like your numbers literally have doubled. Is that what you were Mm -hmm. saying? Uh, Yes, that's what I'm saying. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, We put a lot of work when we first came in, uh, which had already been undertaken before we purchased the clinic, but we really focused in on expanding our capacity. Um, So bringing more staff members on, really ramping up um, our number of days and to think through how we could serve, you know, this many patients who we knew would be coming through our doors. And that's certainly something every provider is dealing with right now. And, and, you know, whether whether it's, you know, trying to figure out, trying to navigate hostile local governments to open more more facilities or dealing with IDFPR on licensing. Um, the, 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 the challenges keep coming, I'm sure. Uh, yes, indeed. Um, and I was going to, you know, point out that, you know, we, we serve patients, of course, from Illinois, but the patients, you know, I was looking back at our top um, six uh, states, and as you might imagine, you know, we're seeing people come out of Missouri, Tennessee, mm-hmm. Arkansas, Mississippi, Texas, Kentucky. Um, those are our top states from where, from where people travel. Um, and as you know, those are states that, you know, have been incredibly hostile to people's reproductive freedom. And, um, you know, we're sorry that they have to travel so far and it's a hardship and it's a burden. Uh, we are glad that we're able to see them and, uh, help them in their time of need. So you're working on expanding your services. Can you talk a little bit about that? And, and in the Chicagoland area? 
Well, yes. So we are, um, and this is another thing that we've seen since Roe fell. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen an increase in need for um, post first trimester care. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a quite uh, unfortunate um, outcome from the fall of Roe v. Wade. And so, you know, what we are working on is expanding that post-first trimester care so that we're able to see people not only from the state of Illinois, but also the surrounding states where we have also seen, now that we have some data, that we are seeing a higher number of people who are in their second trimester who need abortion care. And um, so those numbers have been increasing. So can I jump in? um, Sorry, sorry, Julie. So I I think just for folks to understand what that really means, right? So first trimester care can be um, a medication abortion, which can be relatively... um, I don't want to say easy because it's not easy. Mm-hmm. I had a medication abortion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, it's it's less invasive. Right. You can be at home, those sorts of things. Um, you know, th- that said, a first trimester procedural abortion is still lower risk, lower complication factors. Talk about what's happening with this second trimester. Obviously, we can think about the fact that people are it's taking longer to get the money to get here. That's They're right. coming a longer distance. But what are the other implications of that? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, people who, you know, aren't able to readily access um, abortion services, you know, where they might in the first trimester, um, you know, that that puts them in a position where greater, you know, funding is needed Mm -hmm. for their procedure. Um, They might need to have more money for a, a longer stay, you know, once you get into second trimester, you can be talking, you know, two to three days. So you have multi, multi-day um, patient visits. And so that really takes people away from their families. And as we know, um, a lot of people who um, have abortions in this country are already parents, um, depending on which state you're in. About 60 to 70 percent of people having abortions are already parents. It takes people away from their jobs. And so it puts an increased you know, financial burden on the patient um, who is needing the abortion. That is something that I think... Um, is not generally understood in terms of the longer you wait, um, the more expensive it will be and the more complicated it, it may become. And Both I was medically and personally. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I was looking at some numbers a few weeks ago uh, for another show where, uh, and I knew this anecdotally, but I had not seen numbers that um, really clearly uh, talk about black women having uh, three times the maternal mortality rate than white women. Yeah. Um, and there's no reason for that in this country, right? No, there isn't. And the only reason that it happens no. is because of racism. <laughs> you know, people talk about racial disparities where it's racism and folks um, not having access to, to um, health care uh, when they need it. And that mm-hmm. is something that we are still contending with while also contending with people actually getting access to the service. Yeah, it's um, it's it, it's it. That's one of the toughest nuts to crack. Like if you look at Illinois statutes, we have all the best practices around maternal mortality, or most of the best practices around mm-hmm. maternal mortality, in our statutes. We just ain't doing it. Yeah, yeah. That's that's when 
it really you have to really think, okay, now what's the real goal here? Are we really interested in, in addressing this, or is it again just lip service, right? right? And so, what what are you thinking, uh, Kelly, when you think about um, service providers like Julie? And is there anything they should be doing to to support the work that you're doing? Well, I mean, honestly, ever since um, you know, sort of the first rumbles that Roe was going, um, there's been a lot of of um, collaboration and cooperation um, in ways that didn't exist before, right? Like, um, you know, working with Planned Parenthood is kind of easy. They're in the building. Yeah, ex- literally. Um, yeah. But the mm-hmm. independent providers who are right. the source of so much of the care, who frankly are the ones who are better equipped to be part of the solution mm-hmm. in places where we have maternity care deserts. Yeah. Um, uh, those independent providers are the ones that we do need to be looking at. We do need to make sure that, that they've got resources, too. Um, you know, we created in 2013 the opportunity for independent freestanding birthing centers. And and there's still only a couple of them here. We don't pay as much in, re- in Medicaid reimbursement or insurance reimbursement for them mm-hmm. to be able to, to provide the care. And we limited them to birthing. Well, in in this year, in 2023, we expanded them to be able to be full service. Um, so you can you could be a full service health care provider, from, a reproductive health care provider from prenatal care to abortion care to delivery and everything in between. Um, and so our next step is going to have to be encouraging folks to to adopt this model mm-hmm. and creating resources so that you can. OK. And and Julie, what? And, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. You're well, I, I was going to say that um, what we often see, not only in our clinic in Granite City, but other clinics that I've been in um, around the country, we will often see women coming in who say that this is the first time that they have been to um, a physician in mm-hmm. in years, that, that this is, you know, just the first touch, you know, from a medical provider that they've had. Um, we also hear um, how compassionate that care is, uh, which I'm grateful for. But but I think from a provider perspective, I think it shows that, you know, people are disenfranchised. And we definitely do hear this from black and brown women who mm-hmm. are visiting our clinic. Right, right. Well, Julie, we, we can't thank you enough for all the work that you're doing. And uh, when do you think you'll have some additional services available in, in the Chicagoland area? Well, we are looking at um, later in 2024, but um, definitely within this year. So, um, you know, hope to have more more good news to come in uh, the few months ahead. Well, wonderful. And we we want to invite you now back to share that good news so we can make sure that people know that those services are available. And I, we won't go into all the details about where they're going to be available. But it is important to know that um, there will be another source, right? Because we don't have enough. Absolutely. Whether we're talking about Julie opening here in Chicago or, you know, the folks from Indianapolis trying to come over to Danville doing their battles with with um, with the, the zoning board there, yeah. um, Carbondale, you know, there, there are a lot of folks, there's somebody trying to open in Rockford, people who are just coming across the border. That's right. um, and, and, you know, my new challenge is how do, how do I as a state legislator help them navigate those local governments um, to, to make it possible to meet this need? Julie, thank you so much for joining us today on Living Out Loud. We're going to stay in touch, and um, if there's anything we can help you promote, please don't hesitate to uh, hesitate to reach out. Thank you for joining us today. 
Great. Thank you. Nice talking to both of you. Thanks, Julie. Bye-bye. And you're listening to Living Out Loud. We are back in a moment. This is Gina Yashue, comedian extraordinaire. And when I'm in Chicago, I like to hang out with my good friend, Mary Morton, on her fantastic show, Living Out Loud on WCPT. So listen. (laughs) It makes me laugh every time I hear it, Uh, no matter how many times I've heard it. So thank you, Gina. And welcome back to Living Out Loud. We're in our last segment here. And I want to just take a moment and check in with you, Kelly, and... What's what's on your agenda for the first half of the year? So the General Assembly reconvenes on Tuesday. All right. So you're you're off. Yep. Tomorrow. Just getting on mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm heading down to Springfield tomorrow to make sure that my apartment still exists uh-huh. and, you know, yeah. that it's livable. Uh-huh. Um, it's a slow calendar until after the primary, mm-hmm. um, as is traditional. Yeah, that's right. Um, but but I'll be back and forth for the for those weeks. Um Trying to finish passage of the human composting bill. Okay. Um, looking at making sure that we are appropriately funding some of these services we talked about, and getting ready to roll out a bill. I'm kind of excited about creating a tax credit for folks who are moving here to access care. Nice. So whether you're talking okay. about um, a physician who wants to bring their capacity mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. Um, or a teacher, right, or a family of a trans kid, or Somebody with a uterus who just doesn't want someone else to control their uterus anymore. I want to provide that tax credit with an additional one if you're bringing a license, if you're if you're bringing a teaching license or a healthcare provider license because that's, of the gaps we have there. That's incredible. And what's your sense? Are you, are you going to have to do a lot of convincing or are you getting some sense that people are open to it? It's, you know, folks are intrigued by the idea. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's been done mm-hmm. quite. The, I mean, we've done it. We've done like bounties for professional licenses, right? Yeah. We've seen other states do it, too. Like Florida paid cops to come live there um, who didn't feel loved in their communities or whatever. Um, so, so it's a model that's that works. It's impossible to predict how many people will do it. And that makes a budget bill a little harder to present. Um, but but we'll see. I think that, you know, if given given our budget cycle this year, it's possible, but it might be a two year project. Right. And it's not budget neutral. It's not budget. neutral. So that's always the. But to be perfectly honest with you, I think it, I actually think it's revenue generating. 
I think it, it, it can be, absolutely, right? If people are coming and people want to come and right. they have we these want skills, people to come here we to, want to be encouraging. And get a job here, buy things here, live here, become part of um, the, the amazingness that is Illinois and the work that we're doing to protect people. Okay. Well, and let's talk a little bit about the uh, Democratic National Convention because mm-hmm. I am I am going to talk about it every time I can because... As I've said before, this is the time, if you haven't been involved before, and you think, eh, someone else can do it, this is your year, y'all. <laughs> we yeah. need you to get involved, and we're going to have the DNC literally in our own backyard. What do you What do you think about uh, the opportunities for involvement, and, and have you thought about what you might be doing? Yeah, absolutely. There's a ton of opportunity, and it's really fun to get involved with the, with the convention, because you mm-hmm. don't know where you're going to find yourself and what you're going to find yourself in the middle of. Um, you know, but but if that's your thing, and I've, I've got some resources to share with you that okay. you can And we will um, post those post tomorrow. Uh-huh. Um, for, for folks who want to get involved with the convention. Um, but also, groups are going to be looking at making sure that we are helping other states flip, right? So, you know, whether that is canvassing in Wisconsin or phone banking in Wisconsin or, you know, making sure that we hang on to Michigan, making sure that we flip Indiana. Um, you know, there are a ton of opportunities available for folks um, to to engage, even if the elections in Illinois aren't as exciting as right. as, as usual. Well, and, and so what we're saying is you ideally could think about working outside of Illinois, right? So go and do some work in Wisconsin, right? There are many groups that are organizing that work. Um, I'm actually getting involved with a group uh, that hopefully will we'll have on in a few weeks called Q-Force, but it is to really help organize folks to be on the ground because Absolutely. Are, are we in agreement that that is where? The ground is where it needs to be right <laughs> it now. It needs to be. Um, you know, honestly, if you if you know or love or hope to love somebody in Florida, get involved mm, in their ballot right. initiative. That's I think right. I'm going to be working hard on that. I mean, mm-hmm. I do feel a sense of responsibility as someone who left it in my rear view to try to restore it. And, and frankly, y'all, that's key. What we are doing in Illinois, you heard from Hope Clinic, their numbers doubled, right? Doubled. The, the, the reality is what we're trying to accomplish here in Illinois is unsustainable. We cannot possibly open enough clinics. We cannot possibly train enough that's doctors. Right. We have to look at getting some states back online, whether that's Indiana, whether that's Florida, whether that's making sure Ohio implements their amendment. Um, you know, look for those places because the key to getting past this is getting rights restored. Right. And Ohio and Wisconsin have always been key states in any election, right, in any certainly um, national election. So I remember during, you know, several of the two Obama elections um, going to Ohio. Yeah. You know, and just, you know, you you figure out how to get there um, and you do some work. I was lucky enough to be a surrogate for uh, Michelle Obama on occasion. And there are lots of like-minded folks you can have wonderful conversations Absolutely. with. It's really, um, I think it's a it's an incredible experience to have. And organizations will be planning and facilitating right. people getting there. Our ward organization will be engaged. Um, the Democratic Party of Illinois is already con- in contact with the folks in Wisconsin and Ohio and Iowa and Michigan mm-hmm. for places that, that we can deploy folks. Looking at congressional seats we need to flip. Do right. We, let's not. Let's get the House back, please. Uh, yes. Um, and yes. keep the Senate. Um, and so there are going to be opportunities, whether it's, you know, connecting with your local ward Democratic organization. The 49th Ward Democrats are pretty amazing. Just going to put Just that plug in. Yeah. Just saying, mm-hmm. as committee person, we we, we rock. Um, you know, but everybody's got a ward organization in their, in their right. area. That's right. Um, and if your ward committeeman doesn't align with who you are and what you love, 
find one that does, right? Okay. Like, you, you don't have to live in Rogers Park to be part of the 49th Ward Democrats. Okay. Um, All right. Well, what about, let's just take, you know, let's take out our, our um, I don't know, I was going to say, what is it, our, our, how do we see things, uh, ball? Oh, the crystal ball. Oh, crystal ball. Thank yeah. you. I just lost it there. <laughs> um, what do we think is going to happen in Iowa? I don't know the answer to that. Um, and, mm. and also, like, does... I mean, this whole this whole Republican primary is just bananas. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it is. You know, I saw a poll today that, you know, some significant portion of Nikki Haley's voters say that they will vote for Biden over Trump. I mean, that's an entertaining message for her to be using walking into these into the caucuses. Um, I, you know, Iowa I don't is know not, if that's going to work with a caucus audience. Right. And Iowa is, you know, just not very representative. Right. Yeah. It's primarily white. And, um, you know, I never wish for bad weather for any areas, certainly not in Chicago, although they're <laughs> supposed to have really bad weather, and that might impact some of the turnout. I, I, It's going to be interesting to see, right, who's in the quote-unquote number two spot, yeah, yeah. right, whether it's going to be um, Haley or DeSantis. I just can't even barely say his name. Um, it's amazing. But it looks like DeSantis might be getting some traction. Getting a little bit of traction, And yeah. thank you, um, who just bowed out? Uh, from New Jersey. Uh, why is it always that men have got to go and just yeah. totally, you know, talk badly about women, even though you were not in DeSantis camp? Right. Now I'm going to really bring yeah. up. Hey, oh, come on, y'all. Yeah. This is this is what it's like. Yeah. Right. This is what it's like. And um, you have continued to just be above it all, be above the fray, you know, in Illinois. And I, I really appreciate that. I, I don't know. I don't know if some of the people that I've frayed with would characterize well, me as you know, being above that's the fray. Okay. That's all right. <laughs> just living out loud. This is what I think. So therefore, that's what it shall be. Um, but what I want to I want to end with. So and, Again, lots of work to do. The work is not going to stop, and we need to get people to turn out. I, for instance, am closing my office. I mean, I often encourage people to work on Election Day, but I am like, the office is closed. Yeah. We must. And I want people to find some place to go. Yeah. Um, That is absolutely going to be the way we, we roll this year. We can't just work all the time. Right. What are you doing? (laughs) <laughs> for self-care. You mentioned a book, right. reading a book, which you haven't gotten which to. Which I have not there actually must done. Be some, yeah. I know you like to cook a lot. And I'm just going to say here on air, because I've asked many, oh many my times. God. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, you know what I'm going to say. I begged for potato walkies, and I just can't seem to get any out of you. I, but I'm right. going to say it here on air. Okay, I guess we're creating a record. Uh-huh. There will be lapkeys. That's right. There and will just, be lapkeys. I really, I love them so much. Okay, I, I got you. Okay, so you like to cook. But what I else love do you, to cook. What else do you like to do? Um... I'm contemplating some home improvement projects for okay. the house because, like, that's okay. a it's there's a satisfaction factor. Mm-hmm. Like during the pandemic, I remodeled my bathroom. I didn't know how to remodel a bathroom, but you did. I did. I got really frustrated during a Zoom meeting and I knocked out all the tile, and then I had to learn how to tile. So I did. Okay. So all right. I'm going to be carpeting some stairs and retiling a foyer. And I want to see photos. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Kelly. This has been wonderful, and as always, it goes so fast. Uh, we've been joined today by State Representative Kelly Cassidy, and we're going to have some resources for you tomorrow when we post the show. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next time on Living Out Loud. 